Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. Today we'll discuss what it's like to teach journalism in one of the wealthiest yet conservative countries, Qatar. Joining me today is Dr. Everett Dennis. He's Dean and CEO of Northwestern University in Qatar. He's also former chair of the Communication and Media Management Department at Fordham University's Graduate School of Business. Good morning, Dean Dennis. Well, good morning, Robin. It's good to be here. Thank you. So can you start by just explaining to me or describing to me what the culture is like in Qatar? Well, I might say, too, a little bit about how I got there. I was sitting at my office at Lincoln Center in 2010 when I got a call from a uh, headhunter who asked me if I wanted to go to Qatar uh, uh, to develop a new school there and help uh, build a, a journalism and communication program, and I immediately said no. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Well, why'd you say uh, no immediately? Because uh, I didn't want to leave. Uh, I, I was happy and satisfied with what I was doing. Uh, we had a great program and do at, at Fordham in the, in the Graduate School of Business, and this opportunity came up, and I took a look at it, and once I examined it, I thought, well, it's, it's a challenge of a lifetime. I'm going to do it. But the culture in Qatar is... Uh, Quite a, a fascinating one. It, it's modern on the one hand. It's a it's a Jack in the Beanstalk city with modern skyscrapers and spectacular museums and new hospitals and university buildings like you've never seen anywhere in the world. And it's also a very conservative culture. Islamic uh, traditions there are conservative. Uh, people wear national dress uh, and. Uh, it's a it's a it's a country that's uh, moved from a Bedouin and fishing culture over just maybe less than 50 years to a modern state, and it's it, that makes it a fascinating place to be. And there's always a tension between tradition and modernity. Can you give me an example of what might surprise someone here in the states as to quote unquote the conservative culture there? Something that might we might not quite get. Well, of course, in most instances, men and women don't go to school together. At our school, they do. That's a dramatic change uh, for many people. Uh, there is a tendency to be very, uh, very humble in, in one's manner. Some people don't like to have their photographs taken and published at all. When we do a, a photograph of students in the school, we have one uh, where people uh, step out of the photograph if they don't want to be pictured, and they're very modest and, and humble in, the, in that uh, manner. Uh, I think also there are religious traditions that are, uh, you know, they're very devout in, in their faith. There's not a lot of tolerance for other faiths, although that's changing. It's a, it's a country in the midst of, uh, I think, intriguing change that uh, is incremental, but it, it's an interesting place to be. Now, this is Northwestern University's first international branch campus. That's, is that true? That's correct. Northwestern's had little programs all over the world for years and, and various uh, uh master's programs here and there, but this is the first full-blown full campus, and it's uh, it's part of a an enclave of other schools in Qatar. There are six American universities there. Georgetown is there, uh, uh, Carnegie Mellon, Cornell, Texas A&M, Virginia Commonwealth, and us, and each school offers a somewhat different program, and it's an edu uh, sort of a, um, an educational common market in that students can take courses in any of the schools. So a student enrolling in our school can take courses from five other schools if they want to and re really get quite a uh, diverse education. So how does this conservative culture um, meld with uh, the college atmosphere? the Northwestern atmosphere? Well, it, it, students have gotten very much into the same kind of college life and excitement and spirit that they would on any uh, campus in the United States. That's been unusual for the Middle East. One of the things that's happened is our students, the men and the women, they're, they're called their girls and boys for their, reason, their own reasons. Um, have They're uh, called girls and boys on campus, um, or they call themselves girls and boys? They call themselves, yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, so they have basketball teams, football teams, and other uh, sports, and they're very active and going to one of our games 
would look just like a club sport in the United States with the exception of some of the dress. Some of the people do uh, wear national dress or parts of national dress when they uh, are playing. So that, that part of it would be somewhat different. About how many uh, students are on campus? Uh, we have about 190 right now. And uh, the school is growing, and we expect it will reach 300 within another couple of years. We're about to move into a spectacular new building, perhaps the most modern communication uh, facility in the world. So what kind of technology are you bringing to, to the well, department? every kind of digital technology you can imagine. We have even red cameras, which are fairly rare in this country. We have uh, broadcast studios. Or radio. What's a red camera? A uh, red camera is a, uh, is a broadcast camera that has digital capacity and uh, is really quite an exceptional uh, piece of equipment. And they're very rare and uh, extremely expensive. And most schools would have none. We have three. So it gives you kind of an idea there's a great deal of wealth there. On the other hand, we're very cost-effective in what we do, and we're trying to produce a program there uh, for our students that really is, is second to none in the region. How is the programming set up? What are the students producing? Uh, they do a lot of documentaries on local issues, and some of those are quite controversial issues, uh, human rights issues on uh, laborers and workers involved in uh, the World Cup uh, issues, that kind of thing. They do a lot of stories about family life, changing patterns in the country, or feature stories on pearl divers, or uh, things on animal rights, and uh, just a whole range of things. They also want to cover sports issues, political issues, uh, you name it, they're doing it. And they're, they're all, then there are some more artsy-type uh, films that are really very elegant efforts to capture the region and to get the feel of the desert, get the feel of, of what's happening there. So if I was a potential student, how would you recruit me? What what uh, key milestones would you say would help well, recruit me? I would tell you you'd get a world-class education. You'd have some of the finest faculty in the world. They're recruited not only from the Northwestern campus, but from other great universities around the world. The student body is incredibly diverse. It's about 40% Qataris, but the rest come from some 30 other countries, quite a few from the Middle East region. We have students from Africa, Europe, Latin America, Asia, uh, and a few from North America. So there's a, a, an opportunity to do that. And then you, you really get a sense of the world by being there. Students travel. We have travel opportunities to go to different countries and see what's happening there and to do projects. Uh, you could also take courses in five other schools. We have world-class equipment. We have wonderful facilities and resources to make a, a very special kind of education. And then because it's a small school, there's a lot of one-on-one -on -one small classes and a lot of personal attention. So uh, it's like a, a small European college in a way with a, a strong communications and media and journalism focus, but with They'll take courses in history, political science, sociology, anthropology, and all the rest. Now, Dean Dennis, you said that these students sometimes produce some controversial pieces. Can you be more specific what has been a controversial piece and what has been uh, the result of that? One was on the, um, the labor issues. There's an international controversy over labor in Qatar and elsewhere in, in developing nations. What's the problem with the labor there? Uh, well, people are brought in from other countries. They... Uh, uh, in some cases, their working conditions haven't been terrific. They've, they've gotten better. Essentially, it's a, uh, a kind of unnatural labor situation where everybody's an expat, uh, so-called guest worker. They usually don't bring their families, mostly male, and there's a lot of dysfunction as a result of that. And there's been criticism from Human Rights Watch and elsewhere. And, and the country has taken it very seriously and is doing a lot, I think, to to bring changes. The students have written about that. They've gone out with, with uh, Amnesty International, some of them on uh, a field investigation, that sort of thing that would have been 
very unheard of a few years before that. The uh, Islamic countries, for the most part, don't brook a lot of criticism. There's not a tradition of freedom of expression as you might have in the West. And yet that's changing as a part of a global society, and our students really can plug right into that and play into it. I was going to ask, is there any kind of backlash because of this outspokenness? Well, from, from time to time, they bump up against security and uh, police, and they have to navigate that as you would anywhere, because you have to always, no matter where you're doing, journalism or media in the world, obey the law of the land. And uh, some of the laws of the land there are different than they are here. You don't criticize the chief of state, who's the emir. Uh, some, you don't criticize the Islamic religion directly. I mean, a lot of of um, a very subtle uh, critical comment is made in, in some of the work. Though. So it's a little bit different. There's a certain subtlety, and there's a recognition that change is incremental. It's pretty hard to do things in, in a super dramatic way. Uh, it, it's slower and uh, more paced, and I think uh, builds better understanding in the long run. Are you actually bringing any Western teaching methods or even Western values to NUQ? And can you give me an example? Indeed. Well, our entire program is based on the program of the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern in Evanston, Illinois, and the School of Communication there. We bring the the same course structure, the same kind of course content for the most part, and, and initially many of the same faculty. So it was, in a sense, a mirror image, but very quickly put down roots and picked up local uh, uh, local cultural norms, and so that people were respectful of the local culture, understanding that the laws are different, so you adapt to those kinds of things. And are, but they they learn they learn communication laws anybody would here, but they also learn the differences in the in the Arab world. They learn some things about the, the rest of the world. So those are some of the kinds of things that are different, and yet much is the same. People are people, uh, and. Uh, uh, values are values, and, and uh, I suppose that there are certain values of individualism plays more of a role in the West, and also uh, just a critical style. Their way of criticizing is somewhat different than ours. What is their form of softer, criticizing? more subtle? Um, instead of saying you did a bad thing, they might say what you did was not strong. And there are different language issues and that sort of thing. We are because you do have people from different countries coming. We do. Well, we have an, we're an English language school. But many, some of our students though produce their documentaries and and their journalism in Arabic as well, or other languages if they wish. What have you seen that have been some of the the largest challenges with uh, teaching journalism in a conservative country? The main ones, I think, would be understanding and navigating the legal framework, a balance between openness to new ideas and change on the one hand and a, a great respect for tradition on the other. And you kept have to kind of always navigate and balance that. There's nothing uh, you know, overly dramatic, I don't think. There are just different ways of doing things, different styles of communication, uh, that kind of thing. But I, I, I think journalism and media activities are going to be more and more the same around the world. There's a, more of a global tradition building up. The American style of, of journalistic practice is somewhat different than that of Britain or China, for that matter, and so you pick up elements of all those, because our students may be going anywhere. They, many of them are going to stay in the country, some will go in the broader Middle East, and some may go back home to China or to Brazil or somewhere else, and we want to make sure they're prepared for those countries and, and environments. Speaking of preparation, what type of vocational future can your students expect, especially those who want to stay in sure. Qatar? We've graduated now three classes of students and a very high employment rate. They go to work for Al Jazeera, quite a few of them. Um, we've got eight or nine now at Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera Children's, Al Jazeera Arabic. So they work in news and public affairs in, in, uh, in that cutter television. They're there. They work for 
public relations firms, many of them are in ministries of government, for example, in communications departments. They are working in museums, in hospitals, any number of places. They go to digital media firms. Well, one, uh, four uh, female students from our very first class formed a production company that's now very successful. They're real entrepreneurs in developing media production in the country because Qatar does have world-class broadcasting and telecommunication with, with Al Jazeera. There's also a major television station there. There's seven daily newspapers in this little city, as well as digital media incubators and, and projects. Film industry, there's film production. They go into the working in the film field. So almost any communications enterprise you'd imagine they go to. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon talking with Dr. Everett Dennis. He's dean and CEO of Northwestern University in Qatar. We're discussing what it's like to teach journalism in a conservative country. Which field would you say is growing the quickest? Probably the digital realm is growing. That and public relations and public communication. The need to communicate a very complicated country that is part of, has a, uh, a global ambition and also has a, a grand strategy for what it wants to do. It needs to explain to people what's going on. So virtually every ministry of government is urging us to prepare students who can work for them and to connect more with the modern world. And then, of course, anything having to do with social media, digital, online activity is, is very hot. And uh, in fact, we've done a lot of studies in those areas and have monitored what's going on. And many people might be surprised at exceptional use of social media in the Middle East. You know, you think of that as more of a Western phenomenon, but it's really worldwide. Our students are using Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, so that's a very lively uh, kind of that part of their, their world. And I know you've done a study on that, and I do want to get into that in a minute, but mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about Al Jazeera Media Network. Yeah. I've read mm -hmm. some things that said mm -hmm. that it's um, owned by a ruling family. I've read some things that Correct. said it's owned by the government. So how is that set up, and how does that affect your journalism students coming out looking for a job? The, the country is ruled by a single family. It is a, an absolute monarchy. Monarchy. And there are some other ways that that monarchy functions that, that is more inclusive and democratic, but for us, it's a monarchy. The station, uh, the Al Jazeera networks, of which there are many, are in fact developed and owned by the government. However, they have followed a, uh, a rather Western model in terms of the, the way they operate, led early on by the BBC when they were first being organized. And they were criticized early on. They, were, they did some things that we would not consider uh, exemplary journalism here. They showed beheadings. They were considered what, biased in many ways. That whole tone has pretty much changed. Al Jazeera English is respected, I think, all over the world as one of the great broadcasters. And the They've gotten a lot of awards for being, if I could dare to say, moderate or liberal almost. They have. They've done some very good journalism. There's now Al Jazeera Turkey, Al Jazeera America, Al Jazeera Egypt, Al Jazeera America, is had a real trouble uh, struggling to get an audience here, but the quality of the work, I'm told, is, is very good. I don't watch it regularly. Uh, they have children's channel, they have sports channels, they have uh, all kinds of other activity. So it's just a massive enterprise for in a city of 2.2 million people. For our students, that's great. They learn a lot from that, and they can get jobs and internships there, but there are other media outlets as well. It's not the only one. The Film Institute, which we work very closely, has... Over the years, developed the Doha Tribeca Film Festival. Major figures in the film world go there. They produce films. They showcase movies uh, there and elsewhere in the region. And so it's a really active center of media and communication, which, of course, is a part of the raison d'etre for our school. And our jo job is really, as a school, is to produce a talent 
pool for this growing media enterprise. At the same time, to remember in any educational institution, a student is a student, and they will make their own decisions about what they want to do and where they want to go. So if they decide they want to go to law school or business school, you know, that's fine, too. We're, we're happy with whatever their choices are. Dean Dennis, what would you say are some misconceptions Americans might have about the media in the Middle East that may or may not be true? Well, if they know anything about the media in the Middle East at all, I'm surprised. Uh, what they probably, they probably know about Al Jazeera and initially had a very negative reputation. Now it's, I think, considered by the cognoscenti, at least. as a, I think as some people who are in the good. media know that Al Jazeera has changed, but, uh, you yeah. know, your average person might not. The average person wouldn't. I think there's a great deal of prejudice about the Middle East. Uh, that stems from uh, issues of terrorism, uh, some of the wars we've had there. Um, I think the biggest one is that these are not modern places and that uh, people don't have interests in things all over the world, that they don't have an interest in social media, for example. One of the biggest uh, misconceptions, I suppose, though, is after the Arab Spring, when there was great hope that suddenly the Arab world was going to follow the pattern of Eastern Europe and be... Uh, become democratic states, which did not happen. I think people kind of gave up. That is, the Western world said, oh, nothing has happened. Indeed, the Arab Spring uh, may not be alive in policy circles or in certain governments, but it's very much alive and well in the uh, social media. You'll find all kinds of other people going online and taking very strong stands on issues. And that's a, there's a lot of tension on that now because the countries of the Gulf and the rest of the world are, are moving toward having pretty rigorous uh, cybercrime laws. And cybercrime laws, which have a good purpose, is to protect people from bad things that can happen in cyberspace, can also be um, uh, misused and can be quite mischievous if they're too over, overly broad. If, you, if you're going to be arrested for anything critical on Facebook, for example, you'd have most of the population in jail all the time, everywhere. So uh, there's very unrealistic notions about what a cybercrime law can do. And you're uh, saying they're working on that right now. They're well, trying they to find ha- they have a new cybercrime law. They have to do with uh, negative information about the country being disseminated. And if allegedly uh, uh, negative information, even if it's true, can be an actionable case and a person can get a jail sentence for it. Now, that's not happened. A lot of the, the, the language of some of the law in the Middle East is... Uh, sounds draconian on the surface, and it perhaps is, but it, the, the question is in the enforcement. And so we watch these things very carefully because we went in with our eyes open at Northwestern University very aware that we must have academic freedom for our faculty and our students must be able to work in an environment where they have freedom of expression. And if, if that's not the case, everything's off the table. So Has that ever been an issue at NUQ? Not really. We've had a couple of arrests of students, and they those were resolved. And what were they arrested for? Uh, one of them for for uh, going on onto a crime scene uh, and trying to cover a story, a little overzealous. Some others were trying to take photographs in an area that was restricted, and so they were picked up by the police. And we we make a big effort at that point to intervene, to find out what's going on. And you know, these are students learning their way around the world, and. Journalists anywhere, of course. Is that sort of understandable or understood that, well, they're journalists, they're students, they're learning, so maybe the the, the police are a little bit more lenient on them? I think so. If the police don't know, we tell them very quickly, and we make an effort to have relationships with the police and security folks. So, Dean Dennis, how exactly do you maneuver or, or balance, I should say, the freedom of or teaching the freedom of the press in this conservative country? Well, we have a course. Every student is required to take a course in media law and uh, ethics. 
And so they learn something about worldwide standards in the field. They learn what the situation might be under constitutional law in the United States or Europe. They learn the local system in terms of what the expectations are. And we just keep people informed of it. So uh, there's certain things you do not do. Uh, for the most part, it's a matter of knowing what the pressure points are and navigating around them. I think that's it. And some people do it with humor. There's a lot of activity in, in, the, in the region now with comedy clubs. And humor is a great vehicle to take on uh, authority and speak truth to power if you can't do it in a traditional political way. The comedians are really quite amazing, and they look to people like John Stewart and Stephen Colbert as exemplars in many ways. By the way, our students and many people in the region are very wired in and connected to the rest of the world. They're not isolated. They're like everybody else. They're online and they're doing things. They're global players. I took an informal poll um, here and found that a lot of people here do think they're in the Middle East. They're not getting any information from anybody else anywhere else. But it's not like that from what uh, you're saying. It's not, not like that anymore. Not at all. In the studies we show, people are, virtually everybody's online, at least in the in the Gulf states. This is not true necessarily in Egypt or Libya. Dean Dennis, has NUQ had to bump up against any kind of censorship ever? No, we, we know the law. We know what that is, you know, is official part of the law. But no one's ever censored any of our professors. They've not been told you can't talk about this or that. Our students have not been told, don't cover this story or, or that one. I mean, sometimes they'll look at the law and say, well, maybe it wouldn't be too smart to go up against the, you know, the government on something. Do you ever get that nudge, nudge, wink, wink from the powers that be to report on something positive from the ruling family? Quite the opposite. They, when we first went there, they made that very clear. You know, you know what you're buying here. You get, you're buying trouble. Journalists cause trouble, and they, uh, they raise questions, and they probe into things you may not. And they said, we understand that, that we want to do that. We, uh, people have to learn and know these things. Now, for a number of years, Qatar had the most positive publicity in the world. Almost everything written about it was CBS 60 Minutes, even called it the little island of happiness. And then about a year ago, the, things changed during the World Cup. There was a lot of criticism of the, of the labor issues, and a whole bunch of other uh, things have come up on specific human rights cases. And that has led to a lot of negative publicity. So that's made the country very conscious. And they're very concerned that the true story of the country be told, recognizing warts and all. But it isn't all a negative tale. And by no means is it. It's a, it's a country of enormous achievement. And it has done amazing things in places that you don't even think about. After Hurricane uh, Katrina in New Orleans, for example, it was the Cutteries who went down and built a hospital. Well, they didn't get a lot of attention. They do a lot of charity around the world. But the Qatar Foundation, which sponsors all of our schools in Qatar, is one of the largest charitable foundations in the world and does amazing things for education and health around the globe. If I didn't think that uh, there, were, there were good things happening there and we could make a difference and we could do things in the lives of students who otherwise wouldn't have this opportunity, especially women, uh, I wouldn't be there. I think when you're in a country where there hasn't been this kind of tradition and you're preparing a workforce that's going to go out and challenge a convention, it, it's a great privilege to, to be part of that. And not everybody's going to agree with everything. And, you know, uh, it's not a, uh, uh, it's not always a rose garden, but it, there's, a, there's a lot there that that's, that's worthy and important to be doing. And I think to have better relations between the West and the Middle East is also at the center of this. And better understanding, not just relations, it's understanding other people's cultures, whether you agree with them or not. I think it's sort of respect critical. for uh, in, in both ways uh, as well. We, we have lots of conversations in our school that these students have never heard in their lives that challenge even challenges to the 
uh, to religious perspectives in the sense that there are many views on some, some issues, and they need to know that. And what people have told us in the country, some of the leaders, is we really appreciate the fact that you're giving students an exposure to the rest of the world. And one very conservative father said to me, you know, I don't agree with some of the films they're showing in class. I don't agree with it at all. We have a course in modern film. We show what modern films are. We don't, we don't uh, pretend it is something else. And he said, I don't approve of these films at all. I don't like them at all. I think it's terrible that they're even being produced. But my daughter needs to know about these to be able to understand what's happening in the rest of the world. And that's a very healthy kind of attitude and, and an openness that one, I think, wouldn't have found a few years ago. I think also our school is having an impact. I'm told by local media people, they say, we need you here. You, you give us cover for things we want to do. Uh, things are getting covered in local media now that were really verboten before, and now they're, they're, they're kind of coming out. One of our lawyers said to me one day that things are being covered now, and said, you know, you're getting all this criticism about things happening in the country people don't like. And I said, yes. And she said, well, 10 years ago, you wouldn't be getting the criticism because no one would have known. All the conflicts of any society are out there in a more dramatic way than they were before. I think that's a good thing. I think advances this uh, very great. I think it's very much a noble cause. What were some of the American movies that you showed that didn't go over so well? Well, I don't show them, but I think anything that has to do with nude, any nudity, uh, excessive violence, anything that's critical of religion, they, they, they take issue with. And we've done these rather massive studies. We did an eight-country study two, a year ago. It's this year, in 2014, we did a six-country study of you know, a total of 16,000 subjects, person to interviews, personal interviews across all these countries. And what we found was that there's an enormous appetite for American popular culture. Uh, at the same time, they very much want their own films, and they, they want locally produced programming that respects their culture. They also want to see what the rest of the world is producing. So they like American films, European films, Bollywood films are popular there. You can really... Uh, uh, in fact, you can get a, a, a better film diet there if you want to than you can in many places in the United States because of the diversity of the, of the population and the interests. What was the name of the study, Dr. Dennis? One was Media Use in the Middle East, and then there's a second one this year called uh, Entertainment Media Use in the Middle East. So and you looked at the viewing habits, the social habits, but ultimately right. what was the goal of Well, the goal the was to first to take a look at what the environment is that our students are going into. What is the media scene there? What can they expect? Who are the people they're writing and producing and directing for? You know, we've got to know the audience. And there was very little information that told what people wanted, what their interests were. We didn't know how much they were using social media. Uh, we didn't know what they thought of the newspapers. Uh, so it was kind of to get the lay of the land. And we want to know uh, attitudes about censorship and about um, what information they felt shouldn't uh, shouldn't be uh, published and that sort of thing. What and were we, the results of that particular study? Well, um, it's very conflictual. Uh, the, many people do not like anything that has excessive violence. They don't like what they call romantic material, which I think is just overt sex. Uh, and they don't like uh, things that are overly critical of, uh, of, of religion. They, they're, very, they're very careful about religion. On the other hand, they say they welcome Western films, and uh, they 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 want to see more media regulation when it involves children, as many people in this country do. It's a little more so there, uh, but they like to see also as much freedom of expression as possible. So if you ask people about, do you want you think people should be able to put anything they want to online or or to communicate through social media? They say yes. Uh, 
uh, to a great degree. And then when you start saying, well, what about this, what about that, then they begin to pull back a little bit. It's a, 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 a media scene that's very much in play. It's a very techno-savvy culture. Dean Dennis, here in uh, the States we have you know, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. Sure. It seems like there's a new social media yep. site popping up every 3.3 seconds. What are the, from the study, what are some of the primary uh, social media sites uh, that the, are used? The number one across the region is Facebook. No matter what country you're in, Facebook is very, very important. With our students and in our, in our environment, the, the more, a younger population, uh, Instagram, Tumblr, of course Twitter uh, is very, very important. But the, the same ones you'd find in the U.S. you'll find uh, over there. Did you learn anything from the study that might have been surprising to you or something unexpected? I learned uh, uh, from one of the studies that, the, that they believe the quality of journalism across the Middle East has improved greatly since the Arab Spring. I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have known that. Uh, and uh, you have to kind of read a lot to, to know and understand that for sure. Uh, I, I think also the... Um, the extent to which there is criticism in social media that is it's not being held back, it's not just a, a messaging service, it's something far more, and people are organizing through social media, that's different. And then I think also the, um, the, um, the degree to which people are open to outside ideas in the face of a culture that has been uh, pretty singular and pretty, uh, uh, pretty controlled around the Islamic world. It, the openness to outside material is greater than I would have thought, and, and uh, I think that's important. This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. You can hear Fordham Conversations every Saturday at 7. You can also friend us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and catch up on past shows with our weekly podcast. Stay with us, George Bodarkey and Cityscaper next. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.